Today's chat is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com FFC. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player, this is a great alternative for keeping up with the monthly Focused Fire Chat book club. This month, we're reading A Game of Thrones by George R. Martin, and if you haven't already gotten a copy, I definitely recommend this as a way to do so. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back to episode 123 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on March 2nd, 2018 over on twitch.tv slash Chat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for joining us for another evening back in the Scarlet Decorated Tower. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Um, Justin is running a bit late, so you might hear him jump in later into the show, and I will be sure to ask him when he jumps in what name he has decided is appropriate for tonight. Uh, but other than that, alongside us, we do have our master of social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, hope you're doing well. Are you looking forward to tonight's chat? I am, because we got one of my favorite people on here. Fair enough. We also... Well, let's get right to it. We also have the grizzly bearded cultivator of spinfoil himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. And Green, I didn't know I was one of your favorite people. <laughs> Blue. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That, that hasn't gone away. That's still going to be a thing. For as long as I'm probably on this show, that's it. I quit. I'm I quit. People have been asking for it. Like, we had people in chat asking if we're going to have any grizzly bear sounds tonight. Uh, always. Green, Green was kind enough to send me the sound clip. Um, nope. So... Finally, once again, in the esteemed seat of honor, we have a dear friend, Purple Chimera. Purple, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. We're going to, we'll see, we'll see if everyone's still talking to each other at the end of the, the debate, right? Isn't it? Isn't <laughs> okay, that my understanding? Let's, let's get to the background because this that context sounds really weird. <laughs> Oh no, we're not going to be friends after this. Let's just let's just say it now. Like it's, this, it's over after this. When I said I quit, there might be is, some evil overtones underneath that. Not really. Not there really isn't. This is the first time Beard and Purple have been on the same podcast, even though they've actually been scheduled to be on the same podcast. How many times, Beard? Uh, at least four. And this will make this will make time number one. Uh, this make time so number next, one, so the, the, the count has been reset. Me, the count, the count has the next, been reset. The, the next time you do this to me, you get a pass. Uh, <laughs> but the time after that, I'm probably going to be a little angry again. Okay, that's, <laughs> to be that's fair, I'm that's... just going to end up being upset. That's that's all. I'm just, I'm just you purple. <laughs> I don't think the first time should count because the first time you came on Lorecast was the month that I took off. And it was announced that I was off before you came on as a guest. So that one doesn't count. Ah, yes, that, see, that I didn't one. know this. See, there see, was this, a this, there was a this, there was a bias presentation of the story there. Well, no, no, no. This is this is why you get a pass for that first one. But then uh-huh. the second time I look back on it and I'm like, mm, mm, I see how it is. Mm-hmm. I get it. 
Uh-huh. See, uh-huh. this was information that was left out when Beard came <laughs> into chat and was like, oh my god, it's purple. She's gonna kill me. Like, I, she's, I swear to god, see, I'm then... already gonna get ganged up on. He's bad <laughs> enough in the pre-show. And here but it is then, already, right before we even get talking about Lord. And steals my color on the notes. You know that I'm supposed to have the purple highlights on the notes, Beard, okay? I love how I was the only one who picked up on that when you said that. I was like, oh yeah, I, I forgot to change that again. <laughs> She's, she's What's, technically uh, yellow in in Discord, Discord too, right? So yeah. I was confused as to like what she was talking about. Let's uh, let's 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 talk about something here real quick. You know how often I get to I get a chance to actually look at those notes during the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank 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 the maker for green. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> no, I didn't do this to weeks you did this week. did i do this week i don't even remember this you week did. i'll be honest you this did. week has this week has been an interesting week for me uh um, i don't i don't know what the week is anymore <laughs> at this point i'm uh i'm i'm guessing i i think that's fair as we were saying in pre-show if i don't have enough coffee i probably don't even register the day so um well, last week we did ask the community what was a piece of lore that you were wrong about and the responses are in. I believe Green has a has a few. I don't. How many did you? How many did you get? I know you got a few in Discord. We got a, yeah, we got a few on Twitter and a few in Discord. And I'm gonna pull a little bit from both of them. Dancing put that the card about Pujari was a one mm. thing that he found uh, as a misconception because when he read it originally, I'll just read his tweet. The Grimoire card with Pujari about the Black Garden. I started reading lore in German, where all nouns are capitalized. I thought the flower and the oh. shape of the ghost was a spirit bloom until I saw ghost being capitalized in English. So that's an interesting one that like, I, I didn't... Yeah, I, that's, I wouldn't that's even a, thought about. That's what I like. I, I, I like that presentation, though, that that, you know, brings a whole new level of of interpretation difficulties, right? Like not just, not just content between our world and destiny's world, but actual, like actual linguistics. Right. Difference. That's, that's really, I never even honestly never even thought about that. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's actually come up quite a few times. And cause yeah, now that, now that I'm thinking about that, doesn't, uh, Bife was talking about some of that as well. I think. We yeah, we kind of talked about it a little bit when it comes to books of sorrow, just because true, we're technically true. interpreting their language, and but, yeah, and we're interpreting the interpretation of an interpretation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not first person, but we also had. I'm gonna butcher your your Twitter Twitter handle. Saga Saga shifts Saga. It looks like Saga, C-I-O-U-S-779. And he said, for me, as someone who started in D1 in year three, it was the role of the traveler. Very enigmatic where its true intentions are. I love the possibility of how Rasputin injured the traveler so it would stay. So that kind of misinterpretation. That one's still kind of sort of up in the air. No, it's not. But (laughs) It's not (laughs) shot down completely. Just like the, the traveler was <laughs> the idea that Rasputin shot anything at the traveler has been kind of shot down. But but anyways, one of them. Uh, the one that made me laugh in chat was one that made Penn's head desk, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I was surprised it took so long for that one to come. Yeah, up. I know, right? 
um, Payan. Payan is a person. So that, if you did not start FFC at the beginning and you just heard Willie talking like about this Payan person every week, you could totally get conned into believing Payan is a person. Totally get conned. Don't, I don't even want to think yeah, about right? this. It's not a right? misconception. There goes Chet. That's not a misconception. Right. But like, <laughs> if you used to believe it because, because Willie and then Justin. Bias, maybe. And yes. then we had a, a stinking uh, pay in Twitter person. And I, I don't <laughs> know who of, you are. The Church of Pay. I, I love them. They love and hate you at the same time. <laughs> I will say that they're they're ruthless too. Once they yes. get, once they fixate didn't on they you, make a flag. Yeah, didn't they make a flag with, with all of us on, on it or something? It. Oh my god! I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> ah, but yeah, so that Shun one. The non-believers. <laughs> Deepstone Crypt was one until like they were had a misconception about that until they listened to our our podcast a couple weeks ago, which actually made me feel pretty cool. That was from Remy, and then mm-hmm. one for Beard was actually from Master Gloop, who's from Twitter, and mm-hmm. he said his biggest misconception was around the speaker. In D one, he seems much more akin to a wise priest or father figure for guardians. Revelations and. In D two, go to show that you can take people at surf. You can take people at surface level for good or bad. Everyone has a story and motivation. So, and Gloop was not the only one who mentioned the speaker. We had a few mentions of them in the Discord too. So, yeah, that one was a good misconception that most of us had, including me. Not me. Mm-hmm. Just pointing that out for the uh, record. I mean, not. not I this I guy. still I still am on the fence as far as like if if he actually changed like just because you know the starting point of someone doesn't mean that that's the same person i mean we don't i mean first off we don't really have a strong grip grip on exactly like exactly how long i mean people can change drastically given specific events you know giving given certain traumatic points in their life they can change very drastically very quickly so you know if you're talking you know for guardians 50 years is nothing but for for a human psyche to evolve and change is not that's not unexpected nor would it be actually i'd be i would argue that it would be rather odd for it to not change as the human person you know gathers more information and accumulates more um experience and all that so like given given how you see the speaker in the comics I mean, I, I'm not I'm not arguing that that makes perfect sense that that's where he was coming from, because in the context that he was in the faction wars and all that, you know, the risen, the warlords, all this all this nonsense going on, it kind of didn't require a strong authoritative figure. Now, pendulum right. swing there was way too much. I think everyone here will agree, <laughs> um, you know, Fahrenheit 451 in everything is probably not <laughs> your best plan. Just never works out really well. Um, but I mean, but I, I, I'm just going to say, like, I don't know if that was the speaker we interacted with. I don't know. I, 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 I hesitate to say that that is the same speaker that we see Osiris interacting with. Beard, I, I know you're going to have a response to that. 
Oh, yes. And and it does come actually down to that. It's not the idea that the speaker had stayed uh, that exact way, per se, the entire time. It's the, the idea that the speaker was this way. We're able to go back and point it out contradictions that are spoken mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. Uh, Ghost, Olentan, and several others to suggest that some of the theories that had come up with that led to our uh, eventual... I guess you could say our our eventual way to push push out a little bit further past Earth uh, to reclaim some of our land. Uh, all of that ended up coming from the fact that the speaker had ended up changing his ways. Mm-hmm. We also are not too sure about like when he had effectively uh, written that letter to Osiris, but that right there showcases yeah. plenty of change. I was about, in, yeah, uh, in yeah. how the speaker was was like regarding some of the things going on. Well, uh, and I think where, it also. Sorry, go. Sorry. <laughs> that's where I think, like overall, my, my claim has always and ever been: if he had listened earlier, what would have happened? How would it have handled? what would have ended up uh, presenting itself, etc. And that's where I'm kind of interested to to see where, you know, how how events may have altered. If you will, maybe the Vex can run a a simulation on it and we could figure it out, you know? (laughs) I don't don't know. Anyway, I I am sorry to carry on this point, but obviously I am a little on the the passionate side because I happen to have called something back in May and everybody's like, oh my god, look at this! And I'm like, I knew! What are you all talking about? <laughs> well, and I think I think that's also one of the things that makes me so interested in the speaker is that that yeah. obvious progression from you know from this this uh, dictator type figure to I mean I mean I'm not saying that he completely went away from that position because to a degree though I mean he didn't because just from what we hear from Hawthorne you know about the city mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but I mean, there might have been a humbling once he lost his his child, quote unquote. Well, there is that. There, there's that. But I also see within the like in and beard, you know, the Osiris letter. I see there a progression of acknowledgement of being wrong. And to be honest, a narcissistic dictator, which is what we see in the comic, who is you know like I kind of libid there, uh, you know, for Fahrenheit four fifty one and everything that he doesn't agree with. You know, that is not the same position that a person who can who can write that letter that we see in Osiris's. That's those are not the same people. Correct. They, not not to say that there there's not like they are physically the same person, but like psychologically, the person who will burn books because they disagree just because they disagree with them is not the same person who will write an apology of that nature and ask for the person dissenting to come back because he admits that he was wrong. Like it's absolutely unless there's something far more nefarious and I'm not that big of a conspiracy nut like the the alternative there is that he is just this like epitome of evil and he's you know what but I don't I I can't I can't go that far Uh, I and I I can't either just for the record I I think it would be too obvious in a way like you know it it would it's too two dimensional for that right Um, yeah the the characters that Bungie have created are for lack of what some have otherwise said, they are far from two dimensional. Oh yes, There's a lot yes. behind them. And I think actually uh, the that flaws, is, the flaws help that. Yes, I think exactly. that's what. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where you know they're they are they are still in fact human. 
So the overall the indications behind it just kind of flow with, you know, how we would expect humanity to end up acting in a in a past crisis like this, or or to a degree. There's going to be something that'll end up trying to put it all back together, so on. And you're going to have that person that will need to still take hold and take control of things. And I'm very much with, and I'm I'm going to bring him up because him and I were were so back and forth on this in a in a very fair and, and overly wonderful manner, me and Captain Kex were back and forth on this conversation for I don't know how long. But overall, it came down to the point of saying, you know, we're, we're both on to the same agreement that he was necessary to a point, but he took his power too far. And that's where my argument mm, comes mm. into it versus his where it's like, well, no, he was just doing it for this reason. And we didn't see it any other way. Well, now we see it in a different way. <laughs> so it kind of unfortunately kills that side of the argument in a, in a, in a certain light, the very least. Right. And, and, you know, talking about, I, I think that's a good, good jumping point for the, for the next week's question. Uh, I think the best question. So next week we're going to be talking about warlocks. And so I want to, I'm kind of curious about the communities. What is your favorite warlock? I think, you know, green, green is, has a really well, actually really good point here that it, you know, with the new information that we have about Osiris, does that change your feelings towards? Cause I know Osiris there for a while would probably have been the very popular answer. Um, for a number yeah. of reasons. Um, but I mean, like I know now pushing and, and campaign for him but yeah you know. uh because he's connected to all things he is kevin bacon um but like <laughs> yeah it's just you know destiny isn't the degrees of kevin bacon it's the degrees of osiris i mean everyone knows this um but like you know i know that ulantan is making a really big remergence even in the gamer communities so i'm yeah i'm just curious what the uh, community i think I, you guys think that's a fair question who is your favorite Absolutely. warlock However, if your answer isn't Ulantan, then we're going to have a sit talk. <laughs> if right? your answer isn't Ulantan and you feel like poking at Beard, not only answer the, because it's going to be a poll on Twitter, mm-hmm. not only answer the poll. Do the Titan route. Do the Titan route and campaign for it. You could, yeah, you could. Totally do <laughs> oh my gosh, that was like so. What was it? Wasn't it Log that was like, I don't care if you play Destiny, vote this. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. yes. <laughs> But it's like, okay, go underneath at Beard Grizzly <laughs> and tell him exactly why you voted the way you did. Yes. Defend. Yes, I'm, I'm very curious because, <laughs> quite frankly, uh, there's going to be a lot that needs to convince me that Olin Tan at this point is not the greatest warlock that ever exists. But and uh, if you really want to get under his skin, uh, put Poland. Oh. Oh, is this what you actually, actually, Toland's a close second. Uh, the person that would be offended by Toland is Damo. Not I. Yes, Damo. Damo, Damo will Damo, like, Damo hunt you really down. Ticked off. <laughs> Damo will hunt you no, down and, I, and lecture you yeah. very sternly. About it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, I know. It's just like I can't win. <laughs> I know that we are all obviously going to be looking. We are looking forward to dive into this discussion, as you can tell about the conversation there about the speaker. Um, so let's run through our standard intro notes real quick, and then we'll get right into it. Our topic for this week's chat is going to be a look at biases in lore. 
Before we jump into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes to run through. In our last chat, we discussed exos and artificial intelligence. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of FocusFire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whatever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews in particular are extremely helpful as they help us show up on charts and that helps others find the FFC community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you again so much. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday morning and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we all get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. Podcasts that are focused on Destiny include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghosts and Echoes, which is a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny One, and the network's newest edition, This Guardian Life, which is a podcast from the casual Guardians perspective that highlights all Guardians, large and small. We do also have a non-Destiny-focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast that discusses a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the updates to Warlocks within Destiny 2. Be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know what topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. I stole the summary from Green this week, so forgive me if I don't do it the normal justice. Plus, it's a little bit odd because this week's topic is not something that is really easily summarized. The idea of bias is something that is going to be present in every interpretation of information we we come across. Uh, it is important to understand that bias is present in order to compensate for those biases in the final presentation of any gathered evidence. One cannot escape bias. It's a part of part of your world. But you can present it as another piece of the puzzle for others to be aware of. Biases are important because they are part of what is what is commonly called a worldview. And worldviews are beliefs and assumptions by which individuals make sense of the experiences that are hidden deep within their languages and the traditions of their surrounding societies. Now, these worldviews are usually communicated via a number of means, either being origin myths, narrative stories, cautionary tales, or even linguistic metaphors that we see throughout all of history. And the intent has always been to set the, the ground rules for a shared cultural meetings. So the important thing here is to, again, to identify the biases so that you're aware of them. And by identifying those biases, you can compensate for them, as I've said, in that presentation of information. That brings us to the point of this entire conversation. What are the biases in lore? Are they able to be compensated for? And that's where I'm going to leave this this particular summary because that's kind of going to be this episode's entire debate. I'll end this very short summary with this quote. Consider the divide between folklore and the academic study of it. 
Whilst the oral storyteller is concerned with making the tale live in the minds of the audience, the folklorist is concerned with recording the storytelling faithfully. Whereas storytellers are at liberty to change their stories, folklorists become the guardians of fixed texts. So with that being said, before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about biases in lore, let's take a look at this week's Lost Lore. Alright, so I think we should do Lost Lore on the On Circles Revised Edition. I think that's that's a good one to show biases. Circles. Is it yeah. yeah. Well, I mean also Kate. Well that that's kinda of, that and that's actually kind of really that's kind of why I want to do it, because it it really shows the different perspectives, I think. You know, like, so Ikora has this, like, super serious book about circles and its importance in regards to the traveler and, you know, the paracausal na- nature of light and all this stuff. And, like, most of the, and, and ba- this is all coming from, uh, I think it's Concentric Dawn, which is a, uh, sparrow. Sparrow. <laughs> And like, a majority of the responses are like, oh, this is, this is really good way of like pioneering devastating new ways for warlocks to destroy our enemies. You know, like it shows each individual reviews kind of perspective. Uh, Zavala is the one that's like, you know, this is, this is an excellent weapon. Uh, Tyra is talking about scholarly achievements. You know, uh, Shax is challenging, you know, actually really Shax is kind of surprising to be completely honest. Um, yeah, because he talks about metaphysics and ontology through the prism of deceptively simple shape. Impressive. Then like, he goes back to being shacks. But I know at the impressive. very at the very end. Impressive. Like I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and then like, Asher well, is shacks that says it. Yeah, Asher's just Asher. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but and then you have Gates. <laughs> Gates is the best. I like it. Yeah, go for it, Greg. Yeah, who like. Who wants what is what I'm I'm gonna ask though because we have four people on what is it five six five quotes besides yeah, totally Ikora's. hold this against Justin when he gets here because no, he's tardy I know because he was supposed to be Cade because Justin makes the best Cade <laughs> this is this is actually sadly this very is... true yeah uh, okay so I say beard is Asher. Beard is Asher. I want to be Tyra. She's okay. my favorite. You want to be Shax Blue or do you want to be Zavala? I, I, can, I can do either. You do Shax. I'll I'll get Zavala first. Okay. Who's going to do Kate? <laughs> <laughs> I would say do it like a Catholic church and read it together, but that would be <laughs> online. <laughs> we want people to understand what they're listening to. Yeah. yeah. Uh... Let's let's have purple read Cade since the, she's enough. the guest. She's she the guest. She has the honors. <laughs> All right. In volume after volume, Ikora Ray pioneers devastating new ways for warlocks to destroy our enemies. Vanguard Commander Zavala. 
a monumental scholarly achievement that deserves a place in any serious library. Tyra Karn. An inspiring work that challenges conventions of metaphysics and ontology through the prism of deceptively simple shape, the circle. Impressive. Lord Shacks. I'm sorry. Give me one moment because <laughs> I can't see why can't I find it? Help. So if you go to this website called ishtar-collective.net. <laughs> Here, they put it in chat for you, too. Thank, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That well done, Purple. Well done, Purple. <clears throat> thank you. Despite a lack of rigorous data analysis and an overreliance on the mystical, this book has merits that even I must acknowledge. Eshmer. <laughs> Okay. From now on, if we have Asher Beards reading him, like that's just that's I mean, that's, that's the rule thing. I, I don't I'm even care. That I, I'm sorry that I had to go ahead and add an Asher Mirror. I just thought it was me, so <laughs> that's why I just didn't say the name. That's that's all. <clears throat> Based on the couple of pages I got through, this is one of Icora's most well-rounded works yet. Although she makes kind of a circular argument. Also, the paper's really high quality, very soft and smooth. Kate six. Oh my god, all the puns that are shoved into that one line. That it's like one Cade. line. That one You're line Cade. killed me. Like You're I got through everything. And then I got to that line, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> the paper. It's like, oh, this is my serious review. I really like the yeah. paper. You can tell kind of that someone might have twisted Kate's arm to write a review on this. <laughs> I feel like it was like the yearbook staff going around <laughs> and getting quotes from students. And Kate is just that kid that they're just trying to fill up the page. <laughs> but like, the reason well, everybody seems to like Kate for some reason, I may as well ask him. Uh-huh, exactly. And, and then curses. He actually gave us a review. <laughs> And you know Kate's the one that's going to look for the review section and be like, hey, my review, I, I gave you one. Why didn't you put it in there? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But well, yeah, everybody's bias. Yeah, and bias. I think this this really does show exactly kind of what we're we're going to be getting into is everything has a bias. Like, everyone sees the same book, the same same text in different ways. If they can get through it. I mean... It, because I mean, it was written by Ikora, for God's sake. Yeah. So, I mean, and I guess that's that's really ultimately was my my initial thought around putting this one on the lost lore for this week was it's like we're talking about the biases in lore, and it's it's the thing is is like it's not just our biases. You know, this is one of the things that actually, as many qualms as people have about Bungie, you know, for whatever reason, you have to acknowledge that they do a really good job in kind of like what Beard and I were talking about a little bit before the. The intro notes, you know, their characters are not two-dimensional at all. Like none of their characters are really two-dimensional. And this shows it more than anything. You know, this plus the flaws that we see. And as aggravating as they are, you know, like Asher, everyone, and I mean Green. I just I remember when we first met Asher, Green was like, oh I don't God, I don't want to so go bad. back to that planet. I hate him and I don't and like and it's like and I'm like, I kinda like it because I actually understand what he's talking about. But like but like you know everyone everyone had a different reaction to the different 
personalities. You know, you had, you had failsafe. You had, uh, you know, brother Vance is like pissed off lots of people. Um, you know, you had Sloan, you had, um, Devrim, right. you know, Haw- Hawthorne even really was a kind of a polarizing character as well, because some of the information Hawthorne provided was kind of like, kind of shocking if you, if you actually paid attention to like the, the in between what she was saying, the implications mm-hmm. of what was going on in the, the old city. Uh, you know, there were, there was a lot of things that were actually rather uncomfortable to think about. But everyone had this bias and it was not. And the thing that I love about it was it wasn't like if you if you were kind of half paying attention, you saw it. But if you really paid attention, you could you could read into it. And it wasn't it wasn't difficult to see what gave them the experiences that caused that bias to exist. You know, like Devram and Hawthorne, especially Sloan. No, go for it. That's the whole point of like any sort of, and these are these reviews like this, which is a great example, is a opinion about something. Mm -hmm. Your opinions are going to be colored based on your experiences that you have personally and what experiences and what filter you view whatever you're reading or reviewing is. I read, I will fully admit, I read everything with an educational and music background. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of my stuff is colored by that. Well, and I, that's like, that's like the, the, the putting my foot in my mouth that I had earlier today with, mm-hmm. you know, our conversation is, you know, I, I read everything from, in, in, to, to be clear, that was an offline conversation that I had that I was typing while I was chasing a four year old around. So I was not paying attention to, how i what i was saying i i apologize um okay but like i'm not upset about the whole thing but like i i was talking to green about like all the stuff that i had i had started looking into um just because bias the concept of bias is extremely important in uh any academic study and especially for my particular what i spent about four years of my life doing research on uh, is it's called existential phenomenological psychology. Uh, it, it's basically completely a hundred percent focused on the experience of the individual that you are you are counseling, and it, it's very. It, if you are doing actual counseling and not research arm of that particular psychology, it can get really tough and it can get really dark. Uh, because what it, what it basically says is that the idea of reality is actually not the question that you should be concerned with. The idea of reality is not what is transcendentially real, but what is real to the individual that you are trying to help. What it, and, and their world, you know, their, and, and anyone who wants more information on this, it's, it's endlessly fascinating. And I honestly, even if I did not let anyone else talk for the next two hours, I probably couldn't couldn't do a a good summary of what it is because there's just a ton of information um but the the core of it is is that you want to access the world through the eyes as best you can through the eyes of the person that you're trying to understand or you're trying to communicate with or in in researching you're trying to access the world of the individual that you are researching with the understanding that even they are not seeing this like 
transcendental real world. There's there there's no way for any single person to ever achieve a transcendental understanding of of reality because everyone everyone has a point from which they see. And you know, I, I've said this a lot within regards to the Focus Fire community. The more people you get at the table, the more the more holistic of a view of an item you see. Uh, there's a very very famous parable about a group of blind men being led to an elephant and being asked to describe what animal they are touching. And, you know, there's, there's, I think in the, in the most cases, there's like four or five of them. And each one of them takes a different body part. Basically one gets the trunk, one gets the tusk, one gets the tail, one gets the leg, um, you know, different, different pieces of the animal and it's an elephant. So it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's a huge, huge animal. And each one of the individual men Describe the animal to the best of their knowledge. And when you write down all these descriptions, it, it, it's like this weird chimera thing that is not an elephant. It's, you know, this monstrosity, monstrosity, just like thing that is going to, but, and the, and the point there is that when you have so many different points of view and they, they don't, they don't try to connect, you actually end up worse off. Then when you have those five people working in a concentrated effort, understanding that what they're perceiving is only a piece of the whole. And that's the importance that I think of, of biases. That's why when you're talking about biases, I'm like, yeah, everyone has a bias. There, there is no, there is nothing that exists that has been recorded by human, by anything that is not biased. And that is applicable to every single thing that you call a fact. That's considered, you know, anything at the base root of everything. There is a bias in place. Everything is based off a theory. Now, you can say like uh, empiricism. Empiricism itself is a very strongly supported philosophical framework. But it's still a theory. At the end of the day, when you get down into the brass tacks of it, there is at the core of it the supposition that you know, what we see is reality. Well, that's great. But what if it's not, you know, it's there, there is, there is a, there is a, a line that human experience cannot cross in when it comes to understanding truth, capital T. Now, should we stop searching for it? Absolutely not. Chat, you know, chat has uh, a really good like, black flag has a really good point. Truth is usually found in between all perspectives. Exactly. That's exactly it. And as as a researcher, that's something that is very very important. Difficult. Well, it's it yes. <laughs> yes, it's it's difficult, but it's super important. And that's why a lot of researchers, I mean, Purple, Purple had an amazing podcast with Kex actually on this entire subject from like a historical point of view, like a historian's, you know, historian archivist point of view is, you know, where do you, what do you see there? And I know she, she had to step away for real quick, but when she gets back, I'm going to talk, I want to, I want her to talk about this a little bit as well, because that's, that's a different perspective, right? You know, so green, you, you're coming from it, from an educational and your, your actual experience in the field of education. Like you don't, you didn't just mm -hmm. have like education theory. You actually, taught and that's a huge right. thing to that's a huge huge thing to add on top of that because that's a whole different degree of experience 
than than you know just theory because you actually well, practiced it. Right. It. I mean, it's the whole. I had a whole quarter of a semester just on the presentation of information and removing bias from your presentation and how difficult that is. And it's mm. it's interesting from a from a. I would argue that it's not possible, but it's yeah, it's difficult. You're supposed to remove as much bias as possible because think right. about it's especially like a history teacher. It's a little easier for me in some respects when it comes to some hot button topics because I teach I, I taught music. And right, so right. we even then you get into biases. Um, the most notable one that came up every Christmas is <laughs> never fails. Every Christmas, I had a student who wanted to come and sing um, that duet. Now what? I can't think of it. Off the top of um, my head. I really can't stay. Baby, it's yeah. cold outside. There yeah. we go. Mm. And the bias that we view that song today doesn't actually fit the original script. No, it at doesn't all. fit it at all. Most kids, um, if they actually read the lyrics and kind of do a lyrical dissection, which I made all my students do because you, you can engage with the music better if you want the story. Um, most of them came back and said it was a story about rape. Mm-hmm. That is actually not the case. And it's very hard to teach students who are living in a culture like we have today where rape is a very pervasive topic especially within the last couple of months and tell them that, no, actually this was more of a, this was still um, courting. This is why. And having to present all of that information every single year and break some of those biases that they had. And even then, technically I don't know the original writer's perspective because I don't know the writer personally, and I don't have Mm -hmm. any books by that writer to have any (laughs) first person voice. So there's still going to be my bias of, okay, this is what I understand it to be because this is the culturally cultural background that fits that I can understand compared to our current background. What do you think, Beard? Well, and two things on that point, one that'll go along with it, one that'll kind of change tone a little bit. Uh, first, I've I've been seeing this recently with an argument about even people holding doors for other people. Like, oh you know, yeah, especially yeah. Of, like the I get in sex. trouble. Um, I get in trouble for this all the time. And I'm like looking at this, going seriously. Like I'm just I'm just attempting to be a polite. When my father and mother taught me when I was younger to hold a door for you, it wasn't to to show my dominance over you. It was just to be polite. And it it does come down to, of course, we've got a we we have a different society that does kind of pick up on things that way and kind of changes it a little. I don't mean to make this conversation about that, but it, it does it does showcase how those biases kind of change over over time. Uh, as as an aside from what we were talking about earlier with like the speaker, the the same can kind of be viewed that. Way. Uh, and I and I know it kind of flip flops the discussion entirely, but think of it like this where all of a sudden we see the speaker's actions and go, well, he's just a a two-bit fraud that was just out for himself, when in reality he was probably looking to do best by the people that were there around. Mm -hmm. The the same holds true in that regard, be it if it is for a discussion of, you know, I'm just holding the door for somebody to go ahead and help out with, you know, them or otherwise. Like, it's, 
it's the same kind of idea. Uh, the the second uh, shucks. Now I got too far drawn on that one and forgot the other one. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to just wanted to go on with that. I I I don't know. I I see the the way that we're able, like how things are able to kind of change over time, the way that we are able to read things. Uh, oh, th- think about it with like some of the stuff that we had with Toland, you know, how, how long with, uh, with Toland was it that we were reading over some of the stuff that was presented by him. And we were like, well, this guy sounds like he's pretty smart. Like he, he sounds like he's got his head together. And then we started to get more and more and more information about him. And we're like, he's not such a very nice person. Um, but the, at that same point, all that extra information is from other sources, not directly from him. Right. Which alternatively ends up spiking some different thoughts about how he may actually be or could have been, uh, which is a, a wonderful extra little discussion. But anyway, uh, remember the other thing I was going to discuss. So for me, where I in particular go to this uh go to the realm of spinfoil more often than I probably should. Uh, it was it was kind of brought up here in chat by Black Flag. He said, truth is usually found in between all perspectives. The, the whole overall idea, if you will, is that if you go far farther than typical, present both sides of the extreme, truth is probably somewhere in the middle. You know, there's this meeting ground that you can attempt to end up finding. Uh, and that's where... That's where I think it is important for passionate individuals to carry on the discussions that they have and why it is important that on both sides this to be the case, where if it is all regarding and surrounding the fact, we are able to at least come to an accord between it all to try to stumble on on some kind of truth or middle ground that could uh, that could go along with it. But uh, anyway, that's uh, so I wanted to say. Good. Well, I see purple. Are you, are you get, can you yes, give us a, uh, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> no, I know, I know you had to step away. That's fine. Uh, I just wanted to make sure, but I wanted to actually, yeah, green, green, give you a heads up. Uh, I wanted to actually kind of talk to you about your perspective. Cause like we, we were saying, you know, each one of us kind of brings something different to the table. Green has that education kind of history. Uh, I kind of have more of like the, the psychology and the, like the phenomenological psychology aspect of it. And I know you in you with the Ishtar collective, and I think actually you are, are you, are you still an archivist or are you? So that's not my real in real life job anymore. Um, at this time. <laughs> okay. Because I know, um, I know it's like I'm, a historian, right? Like it was like history. Right. So I, I, I have, I have a degree in history. I worked in, um, house museums doing research, developing tours, giving tours. Um, I also worked in a local, um, for a local historical society alongside an archivist. Um, so I don't have a degree, um, in, in archiving, um, which is okay, actually okay, gotcha. paired mostly with um, the degree that librarians get. They're very similar. Um, but I, I worked with her very closely and and worked in the archives. Like her office was literally, we shared a wall. So Nice, nice. Um, well, and I know, like, sorry, I know with Ishtar, yeah. you did the podcast with Kex. 
right? The the one that I, right. like, I I basically before I had the conversation with most people, I'm like that's one of the first questions I've asked is, have you listened to this episode? Like because uh, I think so, so there oh no, you did a standalone episodes. one too, didn't yeah. you? Right? Yeah, I okay. did one standalone. Um, that was just by myself um, talking about amazing. bias in thank you um, in history and how we can apply it to the research that we do within the lore of destiny. And then later Baxter and I did one with Kex on his confirmation scale mm-hmm. um, that he uses with the police force. Which um, both of those podcasts, by the way, are our most referenced podcast mm-hmm. during our podcast. We talk about those two fairly regularly. And Kex gave me a new chart. I stole his alphanumeric confirmation chart and I kind of, Oh, good. I'm like stealing from a police officer. Uh, because Kex keeps <laughs> dropping breadcrumbs in our chat, and I keep asking him for stuff. <laughs> and true. he and he's like, oh, I don't have it written up. I'm like, well, I'm going to go back and read all the little stuff you wrote down, and I'm going to come back. And he's like, actually, that's that pretty – yeah, that's pretty much it. He's like, I can't take credit mm-hmm. for it, but yes, that's it. I'm like, well, I'm giving you credit for it. So this is Kex's quality of information <laughs> chart on top of Kex's confirmation chart. He's like – you. <laughs> You don't need. He's like, now I have to go do an interview. Like, I don't want to know what you talk about in your 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 supposed interviews, Mister Mister Gex. But um, no. So like, I guess kind of go into that from like from a historical perspective. You know, I know a lot of people in today's in today's world um have kind of a you know oh well it's it's in history books so it's obviously true. And right. <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, right, right. No, it's, 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 but I mean, but seriously, think you're, about you're it, though. Not, a no, lot of people think that. Right. A lot of people you're think that. Right. There are people think that history is static because it's already happened. Right. And like, my, on the one hand, that's buzzer. kind of true. <laughs> but on the other hand, like, we're always discovering new things, right? So we're always, um, it's like we find a letter that we didn't have before. Um, this is like just to, to scale it way down, right? Um, if you work at a house museum, your your focus is usually narrowed to the family that lived in that house, right? So, if you suddenly come across a letter that you didn't have before, that mentions them visiting a place or mentions another person or mentions that there was a a birth or a death or uh, you know any other things that could connect them or or put into context something that you otherwise didn't have any idea about um for example uh na- the word name nancy didn't used to be like just somebody's name it used to be like a nickname that people used um and then it eventually just became a name and we found a bunch of letters that were written to nancy and written to other people about nancy doing things going on trips going shopping whatever it was that she was doing and we're like who is this person, <laughs> right? We had no idea. We have no birth records about the name Nancy. And then we discovered that Nancy didn't used to actually be a name. It used to be like a, a pet name. Um, 
And, and we were then able to figure out who that person was. So that changed our whole perspective. We thought there was this whole other member of the family that no one had ever heard of. <laughs> Mystery lady! <laughs> like, is this someone who married into the family? Did they just, like, Suddenly pick up an affair. extra person yeah, yeah. on the way? No, like, this was, this was the lady here? that we kept in the basement but we didn't tell anybody about <laughs> unless we... <laughs> Does, okay, doesn't everybody remember that Nancy used to be the derogatory term for a guy? Like, you yeah, yeah, guy yeah, that's yeah, yeah, you're calling him yeah. weak, essentially. Mm-hmm. So these are the kinds of things that you like, you need more information. But until it's like until you have the information that you needed, you didn't necessarily know that you needed it. Right. Um. There are sometimes when you're like clearly there's you're missing something, but sometimes you don't know that you're missing it till you find the new information. Um, anyway, so that's that's one part of it. The other part of it is taking into account the source of your information. Right, very obvious example being if I'm writing a letter about somebody that I really don't like, every action that they take is going to irritate me, right? <laughs> so I'm going to write it in the worst possible way. Here's, here's an example off the top of my head. I don't like talking to people unexpectedly. That's like a weird thing that I have. Um, I have a neighbor who is an older gentleman. And every time I go out in my driveway with my kids to play, mm-hmm he comes over to chat without fail within five minutes of us going outside. He shows up with his dog, um, taking his dog for a walk. And like, he doesn't want to talk about anything. He's not being, you know, incendiary. He's not bringing up politics or doing anything horrible. He just comes by and is like, Hey, how's it going? You know, he wants to pet the dog and my kids want to show him all their toys and whatever. Cause my kids are little, um, you know, it, it's fine. But I get so irritated because like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want like adult with you. I just want to like watch my kids draw with chalk on the driveway and read my book, like go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every time he comes over, I get like, on chat with my friends and I'm like, Oh my God, he's here again. And he's talking to me and it's awful. Right. And my friends now think that I have this neighbor who's this really (laughs) horrible person. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. But he's not, he's just this really old man who has nothing to do. Like he's he's at home. He's retired. His kids don't live here. Like he does nothing to do, but walk his dog. Right. And talk to the people in our neighborhood. And so like, Here's a bias that my friends now have because of me, because of the source of information that they that they got their information from is biased. My bias. So now they think that he's this horrible person. And now all their friends think that that person is a horrible person because when they tell them. So now he's getting this reputation about having (laughs) all of your now all of your your listeners are going to think he's a horrible person. All his job prospects have dried up and he's blacklisted (laughs) in all the countries because of purple and her. I just now what I what I here's my bias is now I know how to introduce people to you. It's like this is this is my biases. I'm like, oh, this makes people uncomfortable. We're gonna totally do this to this person. Oh, <laughs> see, that's just me. 
No, it's not. You're it's just- it's just an opportunistic way of making people step out of their comfort zone. I totally just made that up. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know it's me, and I'm gonna push you off this because you're being me. <laughs> Maybe I can't can't. Ch- <laughs> Please fight nice children. Please fight nice. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, and so like, I guess the other thing too, Purple, is in regards to that, you know, I I agree completely. And that's one of the things when, you know, I was doing research for my, my, I hesitate to call it dissertation, but it's a thesis. Um, That was a huge thing because like, you know, historically, the the other thing that changes, and I know this, this might come to a shock to some people, um, Things change in in society, and mm. yeah, I know, I, I know. It, it's I, I feel weird that I have to say this, but like what the world was even ten years ago. I mean, well, and it's not a huge surprise because of the internet. But before the internet, this was kind of a, a big thing. But like the way you perceive things and what you expect as normal and you know what you're you're you know you guys were talking about nancy as a as a nickname i know chat's talking about what was it peggy or peg um Mm. you know like these nicknames right these nicknames are not universal like it's not like they've always been tom has not always been short for thomas you know you, you know all all these like different nicknames or shortening stuff like that's not that's not a i mean we've had nicknames but we've never we don't have all the same and so you know you know purple your example there about nancy being a pet name i mean how would we know that yeah, I mean, yeah like, you know, exactly it's like things you just don't you know until you get a bigger context um and and here's one that i just thought about i'm trying to come up with ones that are like not super inflammatory and controversial because <laughs> the thing about history is it's kind of super controversial. Um, so, um, you know, with the musical Hamilton, people have been mm. really interested in reading all the letters of our founding fathers. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So I, musical. I never would have seen that coming. Yeah. So, um, I know that this is a surprise that, that anyone might bring this up. Um, but there is speculation, both in like the general population, but also in the historical community, about the sexual orientations of a variety of people, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there are a lot of people who think that Alexander Hamilton had an affair with John Lawrence. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people mm-hmm. who don't think that. And one of the things that people who do think that point to all the letters that he wrote that that Hamilton wrote to Lawrence and he uses all this very flowery language about how much he loves John Lawrence. And they're like, well, like I, you know, we would never write that way to a a friend of ours who, like who is That's because emoticons can't be flowery. Right. (laughs) And like, on the one hand, like, maybe you're right. Maybe this is (laughs) like very similar to the way he wrote to Eliza. Right. But on the other hand, like people talked differently then and they were different taboos about what you could and couldn't say to people. Also, Alexander Hamilton was incredibly verbose in most of his writings and speech. 
Right. You have to compare the way that he wrote to the way that he wrote to other people, right? You can't compare a letter from Hamilton to Lawrence as a letter from, you know, any other two random people. Like, because Hamilton is his own, his own kind of metric, right? <laughs> um, so comparing so him. <laughs> I mean. It, no, no, it's, it's so, a valid, it's a valid point. Like, this guy, this guy, this guy, Hamilton, this guy, this guy, this guy. <laughs> so you have to compare the way that he wrote to Lawrence to the way that he wrote to other people that we know he loved possibly in the same way. So like the way he wrote to Eliza, for example. Mm-hmm. And does that differ in the language? Now let's compare it to someone else that we know that he was friends with, right? Because you're like, you're not going to compare these letters to like letters he wrote to Jefferson. Probably not the same. Um, <laughs> letters. <laughs> um, what? They were best friends. What? Yeah, of course. Um, but if they anyway. were the same, it would be even more <laughs> surprising. Right, right. So, so this is this is my point. Like, we don't know. And the thing about history, um, which is also the same in Destiny, is like we can't ask them, Mm-mm. right? To bring up my earlier example about my neighbor, like if I'm I'm not someone who just complains about people all the time, so it's unusual for me to do that. So some people will just take it on face value. Man, this person must be really awful if Purple is complaining about him like this. And then other people are like, okay, this is really out of character for you. What's really going on? And then it comes out, well, he's not really bothering me. He just shows up and I don't want him to show up because I'm not in a mood to talk to people, right? That's on me. You can ask me that. We can have a conversation and that can be extracted. But you can't do that with people who are dead (laughs) or you can't do that with the characters in a video game. You know, we have a finite amount of information. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it a little bit more complicated to deal with because you can't Unfortunately, you can't just like call Ikora and be like, hey, what did you really mean about this? Mm-hmm. That would be really awesome if you could. But, you know, we, we get our finite information and, and that's what we get until the next expansion comes out. And then we're like, ah, <laughs> we, we interpret everything. Mm-hmm. And then our lives are shattered and. Blue goes yeah. cries in the corner, and it's whoa, 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 whoa. Let's calm down. I was right about <laughs> Rezel, okay? I don't know what you guys are all upset about. Oh, that's not what I was, that was not what I was referencing. It was the Osiris. I wasn't so upset was... about it. What was I upset about Osiris? He's awesome. I mean, he's kind of an a-hole at times, but that's not really a surprise. Yeah. I mean, I would be too if I was that awesome. Uh huh. Cricket, cricket, cricket. Where's that record scratch sound clip? <laughs> well, and yeah, I was gonna say, Green, you want to you want to bring that next point up that you mentioned? Well, I mean, we've kind of been talking around what bias is because it's one of those topics that you can you can see what. When somebody has bias, but it's really, it's, I think it's a little bit more difficult to pin down the actual definition of bias. I know it's soundable, but for me, it's, it's not as simple, but Blue, you have a really good one. Do you want to 
Yeah. So like, yeah, definitely. Um, it's really cool. Google's really good at this stuff. Um, bias is pretty much defined as prejudice that's in favor or against one thing, person or group compared to another, usually in a way considered to be unfair. I don't really agree with that piece. I actually agree with the second one that I put in there and it's a cause to feel or show inclination or prejudice for or against someone or something. Um, and simplified, simplified, yeah, sorry, go for it. It's seeing the world through rose colored glasses or whatever colored glasses you have. And presenting your view as absolute. Uh, wait, uh, no, I well, see, okay, I, d- I disagree with that last part. That's not part of bias. Bias is simply seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. Now, like if you did confirmation bias, or you know, one of the yeah. one of the stuff for, but that's that's why I don't agree with that that first definition is because bias in and of itself. Be- <laughs> It's part bias of is not being, a bad thing. It, no, it's with. not. It, well, it can't be because that's what everyone has it. Like, it's not, it's not like, that. not quite what I meant to say, but like, um, you can't escape it. It's not something that's, it's like, uh, it's like the argument of stereotypes. Okay. S- stereotypes is a way of human brains clumping information together and it's not applicable to It's not necessarily in and of the just like the definition of a stereotype by itself is not a negative thing. It's basically your brain making sense of the world around you. Now, can it be a negative thing? Absolutely. You can take it too far and you can stereotype like very severely. Uh, look at World War One or World War Two and you'll know what I mean. Um, you know, there's, there's, that that's because the way the human mind works is we have to we have to organize things in a way to assimilate them more efficiently. Um, and and the thing that's really fascinating about the brain is this happens without any of your without any of your involvement. This is a hundred percent your brain compartmentalizing and assimilating information that it's taking in constantly. Like your brain is constantly feeding input into its into its storage banks. You know, there's there's a lot of theories about like how it works, and I'm more than happy if anyone wants to have a conversation about that, shoot me a message. I will I will dive into that all as all you want. And green, yes, that that is I'll let you actually speak to that in just just one second. But bias in and of itself, like that's like saying that's like saying my breathing is evil. Like you, you can't, you don't oh, exist without saying, it. I'm no, 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 no. I'm saying my, my, dis, my, my problem with the definition of it usually in a way considered to be unfair. No, it's not unfair. It's opinionated, but that's the thing is that's why it's so important to identify biases is because is the, if you take unfair as the meaning of it's not, it's only through one perspective rather than. Oh yeah. I guess if you're, if you're sticking, here's my bias against this bias definition. Yes. Purple turn. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was an undergrad, um, we had to take a class called research methods, wherein Uh, they literally, it was a class about teaching you how to do research and write papers. Right. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it was awful. But yeah. the most important thing, in my opinion, that came out of, of my history research methods class 
was being able to identify when you're reading a, a proposed academic work, you, you need to be able to identify the biases within that work, especially when you are using it um, as a support of your own argument or um, as, a, as a counter to your own argument, right? Um, if the author explicitly states what their biases are, then it's much easier to use that article um, in the way that you want to use it because you know that the author is aware of what their biases are and that will show through in their research. And it actually makes them more neutral in general because when you're just conscious of something, you are more likely to balance against it in your writing. Um, if you're a good researcher, that's a different thing, <laughs> different conversation. But if someone tries to hide their bias in their research paper, then they're much more likely to end up being more compelling in their bias and be more conniving. Um, and ended up, and it ends up being negative, whether or not the bias was actually negative to begin with. Yes, I don't know if that made sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I guess ultimately, my my entire thing is like I view things as like when you're talking about uh, bias, it's it's basically identifying the interplay between the content and the context. Like you you have the world that you're you're interacting with and then the person who is interacting with it. And as from a researcher's point of view, you also have your interaction with the world and the interaction with your own thoughts of that person's context. Like there there's a multiple layers in there, but ultimately there's no such thing as a perceptionless per perception of something. You have to take a stance to see something. When you look at something, you're looking at it from a particular point of view. You can't, there is no omnidirectional point of view that a person can take. Everyone has a bias. It's, it's a, it's an instinctual humanistic thing that everyone has. And Green, I, I love the mistake of the, 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 the nope, the nope rope. Um, mm -hmm. you know, mm, the, like the snake in the grass. I mean, we, we assimilate. I mean, you were talking about assimilating things how we learn it's how we assimilation is how we learn we modify what we know with a new thing and we constantly build it's called scaffolding and you, i've said it a few different times <laughs> and what i mean by that is that when you set up a very basic knowledge of something and then you're not going to teach somebody how to write a computer program by showing them code right off the bat through everything you're going to teach them the basic logic behind it right no, I'm speaking to something I have very little experience with right now. So this is my bias coming through right now. If I wanted to learn code, I don't want you to show me a full page of code. I want you to tell me what each little piece interacts and why it interacts with, and then build up into where I can look an entire page and see what's going on. Oh, blue. Why? <laughs> Here, here's another really simple, good example um, that might help. Mm -hmm. um, I have a four-year-old son. He is learning about the world, as you are wont to do when you're four, right? He's in preschool for the first time. And he came home one day and we were looking at a book 
and he pointed to it was a, a drawn book and and he pointed to a character and he said this character is a girl mm-hmm. and i said why what makes you think this character is a girl and he said she has long hair mm-hmm. and i said okay that's a good category but here's the thing my son has hair down to his waist so i said you have long hair are you a girl and he said no <laughs> mom like, oh really do i have to explain this to you mom <laughs> but but this is the this this is what i thought about when when blue was talking about stereotyping like these are the stereotypes that we learn as children through our society, we have these building blocks so that we can categorize things because we need to categorize things or you'll go insane, right? That's just a human nature. Right. Um, but then you, you, right. But then you have to be aware enough to understand that they are not steel trapped boxes, yes. but in fact, like mesh or, you know, open air, sketches i guess i can't think of a a good example but well i mean every squiggly looking thing in the grass is not going to be a snake right sometimes you never know it depends where's justin where's justin i know (laughs) we need him here but it's i mean evolutionary wise you're going to see it though unfortunately as a snake each time unless you know that that's that hose is there already Mm -hmm. you're going to startle yourself and even if you don't consciously think of it, you're going to react and pull back a, a tiny bit and see it as a snake just because evolution evolution dictates that you're going to protect yourself and snake equals possible danger. There's a reason we call them nope ropes. Man, seriously? God, man. I don't know how Justin does it. But no, no, the reason I, I derailed Green is because every time she talks about scaffolding, all I can think of is doozers from... Which, if you don't know what a doozer is... From Fraggle Rock. I mean, there you go. You, you gotta... You, if you don't know what a doozer is, you need to... You really need to do yourself a favor and go watch Fraggle Rock. Um, because they have amazing scaffolding that always gets torn down, and it's very sad. Um... But that actually kind of, you know, this, this entire conversation actually about like, is, is a bias a good thing or a bad thing? Or is it just a thing, which is kind of the camp I'm current, I'm, I'm in, um, you know, regardless though, identification in purple, you kind of touched on this, a good researcher always identifies their own bias. And that is to kind of make it apparent that it's not necessarily that they're trying to escape those. I mean, you might, but then the problem with trying to escape your bias is sometimes you kind of overswing the pendulum and dump yourself in another bias. Um, but you want to, you you want to identify them so that other people who are reading your work or, you know, listening to a podcast or, um, watching a YouTube video or whatever medium you're, you're presenting your evidence and your information in, if you present your bias up front, they know, okay, going in that beard hates the speaker. Well, okay, we know that going in. So anytime he's, he's talking about the speaker and we hear anger in his voice, it's, it's to be expected. It's not something that is because of a particular, it's not a particular event or something that has happened specifically. 
it's because that's his opinion of the matter. You know, whereas, you know, I think that Osiris is connected to everything because he is. But, you know, like, you know, there's confirmation bias for you right there, Green. Um, <laughs> but sorry, sorry. It's all that note that she just <laughs> threw at me. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you know, everyone kind of has their own niche that they're going to come at from. And the thing is, if I'm talking to Green, or I'm talking to Purple, or I'm talking to Beard, and I'm talking about a context that I know their their opinion on, when we talk about facts, then I know when they, you know, come at it from a certain view, it's, it's easier to assimilate that information, and it's easier to, you know, Beard, you said this near the, near the beginning of the episode, it's, it's easier to get to that middle ground, right? And, and once you get to the middle ground, that's where the really the really cool stuff starts happening because that's when you start really getting to the, to the truth, capital T truth of Mm. the situation that you're looking at and green, go for it. I mean, we've done that on here multiple times with different topics, especially when we interpret things and I interpret things from an emotional standpoint versus an objective sometimes and try to interpret intent, which is, God, that is always the hardest thing is to interpret intent of a particular character. Well, and to be fair there, Green, that's not just in video games. Right. Like, that's that's anything with other people, because you're not well, that, that person. That's exactly my point, though, is that you were talking about coming to the middle point and having mm, different people mm-hmm. with different perspectives. It's good to have somebody with a perspective of living the life of a female somebody with the perspective of living the life in the Midwest or living the, there's so many different perspectives to come from that. If you share some trait with the character kind of help guide, you're not going to get to any absolute truth, but you can help guide into the right, maybe a right direction or a right interpretation. Problem is, is you're never going to find exactly the right, you're not that character. Right. And, person, and but. yeah, right. And the, the other, the added difficulty with, in regards to story analysis of video games is there's the, uh, the added layer of, Oh, this is and actually purple. I think you spoke about the, I can't remember if this was with your confirmation conversation or with your bias, but like there's also an added layer of interpretation difficulties because it's not like we're, we're looking through, just like historical archives. We're looking through historical archives that are presented to us by another human being that is also not in the context that they're being like the information that we're looking at is in, is in this in context a, but we're in context B, but we're having to identify information from context a as presented by someone who is in context B pretending to be in context a, that we don't have access to. (laughs) So and if anyone else is confused, oh, I I have a flow <laughs> okay, chart of that. If you really want me go. to draw it for you, yeah, it's it's so it's a hermeneutic circle earlier. that's like a spiral. <laughs> so we were talking earlier about the apology letter that the speaker wrote to Osiris, right? Right. Okay. Yep. So here we go. We have the speaker and Osiris. So you have all the layers of the speaker. As a, as a person, right? And all of his opinions about Osiris and all of his mixed up feelings he might have about Osiris. 
then we read the letter and we have lots of feelings about the speaker and about Osiris and about how the speaker treats Osiris, right? That's the that's the next layer. Then the yeah. next layer is <laughs> is that someone at Bungie wrote this, yeah, with a specific intention, trying to get a, spe- a certain response from us, the players, when we read it. Mm-hmm. That's another layer of bias. Then the next biggest layer of bias is that. The team at Bungie who write the lore are trying to tell us a story. This is the layer that we don't get when you get into history, because history is just people living, right? And that's like 14 layers of complicated, at least. (laughs) Um, And so, but this extra layer when you're dealing with, with any kind of created lore so video game lore book lore movie lore whatever other kind of lore there is i don't know poetry lore maybe something i don't know anyway we have this extra layer of the author's intentions and the author's trajectory of the story and what the author wants the consumer to Mm -hmm. think so if you have if you're consuming a mystery novel right, then there's going to be a lot more misdirection than if you are consuming an adventure movie, right? A, a, a Transformers blow em up movie. <laughs> Likely. Yeah. Um, so that's something you have to take into account when you're doing stuff with video game lore, when you're doing this kind of long-term projection like we're doing because we're nerds. Lovingly, of course. Mm-hmm. Now, just to interject, not even like long term, just I'm thinking back to what happened with the Five Nights at Freddy's crowd and how that shifted over the course of a couple of months. Mm-hmm. That was that was absolutely ridiculous because it went from, oh, no, it's just uh, it's just calling on a thing that happened that was terrible back in 1996. No, it turns out it was all a dream. What? Anyway. On. Well, Five I mean, people will get what I mean. To kind of go back to your purple even the writers like as a writer you have to realize when you're putting something out there that your intentions may not impact the way you want to they may not be interpreted the way that you want to and you have to be prepared for that and that's probably one of the more crazy things about being a writer for a game in my opinion is like you never know how something's going to come across to the crowd until it gets there. I mean, you can kind of guess, but look at some of the things that, what was it that John said, Blue, that there are things that we have latched onto as a community, mm-hmm. a lore community, that, he, that they weren't expecting. Like the, mm-hmm. like my, my question about him being uh, related to the Dark Tower. Like he was like, mm-hmm. he, I mean, and, and I, I love that conversation with John because that was like, he, he confirmed so much of my like my opinions but he also like but he still he confirmed it even though he was like yeah no that had absolutely nothing to do with it but he also like later was like well but i did i am aware of that story and so he like at the same time you can't say no it didn't influence but it wasn't at the forethought like that's where our our a curse of disney references actually i think started but like Mm -hmm. 
well, and in, in for the actual inspiration for Dredge and Yor is really actually kind of funny. Um, and I really encourage you guys to go listen to John explain that. It's kind of interesting. But, um, but like, yeah, like his, his actual inspiration was not, um, what a lot of people would assume it was. Um, and then like the other thing, you know, going back kind of to what Purple was saying is like the way they drip fed that story. It was meant to be kind of misleading. But at the same time, like, and I think the, the example he gave was the, um, the, the excavation of the pyramids, like how, how in your purple kind of mentioned this too. You know, every time we, we kind of cu- uncover a new piece of it and you're like, Oh, shoot, I messed up that one part. And you know, like that word didn't mean that in these ancient emojis that they used. Um, you know, that bird was actually a, a, Griff, I don't even know anywhere, but like, you know, like the, the differences that new information presents to the story that already exists, it's an ever evolving thing. It's not, it's not like the static thing that, you know, like a lot of people see in history. They're like, oh, wow. And, and, you know, 1923, this happened, you know, yeah, it happened, but like, you know, why did it happen? What happened? Like, what exactly was happening around that you know and that's that's kind of where the presentation of information especially in fictional worlds is so much different because it's it's the presentation of a non a fictional world from a real writer who is trying to make the fictional world as real as possible and and this is this is not a dig at any game writers but to be honest that's not possible like there's 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 so many so many various things that go on in reality that no one can encompass like it's just it's it to be able to if you could simulate a real world you know i don't know why you're a game writer you should be making a lot more money doing that simulation of a real world uh you know like ready player you one should be the but, picks. Yeah, well, or Ready Player, or what was, what's the, what's the, oh, what's the trillionaire in Ready Player One? The one that dies. I can't remember his name, I know who you mean, though. Coming. The, the, the creator of the, the Oasis. Oh, look at Be back. Oh, my, yeah, my head just went blank on it. But anyways, like, that, that's what, that's basically what he was. Like, he actually created a virtual reality that that replaced reality for a lot of people. I mean like that's that's not something that a any individual could probably do in reality. Um, here's a really great kind of bizarre connection example. Um, yes. In sorry, the holiday. 1940s they um, the Mississippi River had some horrible floods like in the twenties and thirties and a whole bunch of scientists got together and they actually built a scale model of the entire Mississippi river uh, basin. Um, Uh, like flood so that they could try to see like what was going to happen and where they could spend money to reinforce based on floods in like Ohio and also because the Mississippi river basin is huge. Right. Um, they eventually, in the 90s, um, shut it down because it's 
really expensive. You know, it's huge. They had to pay a lot of people, a lot of scientists to run it. It was expensive to run. You know, they're like, we have computers now, right? But the computer <laughs> simulations are cheaper and fine but they are not nearly <laughs> as accurate yeah. like they, they are certainly effective than just doing nothing right mm. oh yeah um, true but the the difference when they st- when someone went back and studied the effectiveness of the recommendations that were given for like reinforcing banks and things like that on the computer model versus reinforcing banks based on the scale live model was i can't remember what the percentage was but it was ridiculous and the point is that you know we know a lot about how the world works and things like you know gravity and and erosion and things like that but there's something about like there are a bunch of things that are missing that we could get when we make a scale physical model that doesn't tra- that we have not put into the computer program and we don't know what they are so we can't put them into the computer program yet mm-hmm. and it just gets that much more complicated when it comes to dealing with humans <laughs> Oh yeah, you know, well I mean this yeah. This is just the river, right? Let alone dealing with humans. This is just water. Uh, my, like this isn't Right. This, is water this thing dirt, doesn't right? think like, for itself. <laughs> so, my favorite example of fiction being interpreted by the masses and getting out of hand. <clears throat> there's an author named Pearl Clegg. She's written books, she's written a couple of stage plays. And I was studying one of her books in in my English class, and we had re- read several essays, and my teacher was talking about the significance of the color blue in her novels. It's an um, excellent color. There's a, there's a character that has a blue front door, um, and then in, at the time, what was her most recent novel – there was a character that had blue eyes, which was significant because that character is African-American. Pretty unusual for him to have blue eyes. And like, there were all these essays about what the significance of the color blue and what it meant and you know what she was trying to say. And there were all these things, right? And I went to, um, she did an interview and I asked her what's the significance of the color blue in your work she said blue is my favorite color <laughs> i kind of like, i kind of expect, expected right? that <laughs> and and i told her i was like look i'm in school and we're studying your book and you know like this one with the character with blue eyes had just come out it was and you know, I've read these papers and these academic works and she had no idea. She's in her own little house writing her books and doing her thing, right? She had no idea that all these academics were writing these papers about the significance of the color blue. And this is not to say that in works of literature or music or video games or movies or whatever, that people don't put major bits of symbolism in. Obviously they do. But my point is that once you put something out into the world, people interpret it and it means what that means to those people. And it doesn't necessarily mean that those people are wrong. 
it's just not what you intended and you just have to let it go well and that's that that, oh my gosh that that gets into the debate of authorial intent (laughs) what what was the oh sorry green sent me a (laughs) sent me an article that was like does the author even matter (laughs) like i love this i love this article just from the title like is it it's it's got it's got a valid question to a degree i mean like you know does does the author matter does the authors and i mean yes it's kind of tongue-in-cheek is musician right same thing with yeah like what you release it to the masses is it still yours or right because you know people have assumptions about uh, the the genre the, the well yeah that's true touche madam touche um but no like for music specifically you know depending on what genre of music you know you might get you might get booed off the proverbial stage and you, you know, there's nothing that you did you could have a really good song but because it's you know let's let's pick a genre, um, and I'm going to be nice to you and not pick country rap. Um, let's pick like hip hop or you know like uh, EDM or any of the current favorite genres, as opposed to I don't even know thrashing you know thrash metal or you know whatever. There there are certain stereotypes that go along with those different genres and like what. Is that wrong? Like, you know, there's a degree of truth to stereotypes, but there's also a degree of, you know, going back to what Purple was saying, those aren't ironclad. There there are people who listen to different types of genres of music that don't fit the stereotype of the people who, right. quote, should listen to those musics or whatever. But they also think about how often we have, and since we're on the music topic, it's going on it. Um, think of how often you hear about a musician who gets yelled at by their fans because their second album doesn't sound the same. Oh yeah. Hey, you leave Nickelback alone. Okay. They did really good at keeping (laughs) the albums consistent. And I, and I, for one love playing one song out of one speaker and the other song out of the other speaker and having it sync up perfectly. It's, it's perfect. Okay. What was that? Who did in the end? It doesn't even matter. That's the, that's the Uh, Lincoln park. That they did, but, yeah. okay, they actually bugged me because they literally stayed consistent the entire time and nothing changed. Uh, well, that actually yeah, made me more mad because they didn't grow as an artist. Yeah, there was for, there was a few the later. Part, there was a but, yeah for a few of their later albums they got a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I digress. I mean, the, Metallica is another really good example of that too. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> They didn't release different albums. What are you talking about? Where's Justin? <laughs> Justin's going to kill me for that one. But, oh, my God. But yeah, no, I mean, and that's, and that's you know, they're talking about that in chat right now. Once you release art to the masses, who truly owns it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's, right. that's... Then you get into really complicated things like... Um, uh, what, what is her name? Lord. Um, oh, she yeah. Yeah. had the song, um, that's whose name I cannot think of at the moment. Um, but I'll Google it in a second. Anyway, there were a bunch of people who got really offended because she, they thought that she was being derogatory toward black culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she was finally confronted about it, 
um, she was like, oh no, it's about, you know, like the wealthy in general. And like, she's from Australia. Um, and the culture and the views that they have on American black culture are different than how Americans view American black culture. And so like, it just doesn't work really, but people were still offended. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have felt offended, but like, is that something that should be taken into context when they are thinking about whether this is an offensive song? Well, it's well, no. yeah, that gets into you know the, the whole context. PC, right? PC well, right. but yeah, I mean, whether or not it's offensive, whether it should be played or not, that's a different question, right? But I'm saying, like, should you be offended by a song if you hear a song and you feel offended by it, and then you find out that the artist, you know, is from another culture and doesn't think the same way you do? Are you still allowed to be offended by it? If that wasn't there, you're, you're allowed to be offended, but that doesn't. I mean, I here I'm going to probably get hate mail for this. You're allowed to be offended. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're allowed to be offended about whatever you want, but that doesn't negate the other person's right to express their perspective. I mean, like it's because in the same in the same breath, and this is me just being a little bit of a challenge, like to challenge that that perspective, you know. In the same breath that you're saying that a artist, or you're not saying, but you're asking, you know, should an artist be concerned with the perspective of um, the consumer? Well, what about the consumer being respectful of the perspective of the artist? Right? You know, that's, like that's it, the whole it's a that's it's a double re- background. Right. It's a double. It's a double. It's a two way street there. Like, you know, there, there's a point at which, yes, I should be respectful. I mean, there's, there's plenty of inflammatory art out there that was made for the purpose of pissing off someone else. I can think of tons. Yeah. I mean, let's pick on the Westboro Baptist Church. You know, like there's tons of Mm. the the Freedom House. Oh, there he is. He decided, he finally decided to speak. Um, No, I don't like that one. Don't talk about that one. But I mean, like, I mean, okay, but I mean, using, using, because I'm pretty sure if I'm going to get hate mail from someone, I don't really care about that. If but it's like, from the know, Westboro Baptist Church, I will take that hate mail and I will respond <laughs> to it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, you know, the, there, there was a person who built the Freedom House across the street from him. And, and that entire purpose of that was to be inflammatory to that particular group. So like, there, there's that art style. You know, that that's a particular art style. But then there's also art style like what you're talking about with uh, Lord, who said, you know, who who made the song. And, you know, it's in her worldview. It's not inflammatory. It's it's just kind of her opinion. And people interpret it as inflammatory. Well, who's who's quote air quote here fault is that like it's not really anyone's fault. I mean, you, you, you have a right to be offended, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't have a right to publish things. I'm like, I mean, the whole point of being an artist is to challenge perception, right? Yeah. There's that too. Well, yeah, you should, the art that doesn't challenge you is an art, right? It's just, it's just, it's just like, it's, it's they hang in a motel. Mm hmm. Um, that stuff is amazing, and you leave it alone. Listen, 
I have some <laughs> I have some fantastic pieces that feature dogs playing poker, and I don't want to even. You also get you into it. weren't weren't you the one that also had the fantastic piece that you hung upside down? Was yes, you? yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then and then the artist came over, and she was like so offended because she's like, um, "You hung that upside down." I was like, "Literally, this is these are abstract colors, lady." And she was like, "No." No, this look at the way. Look this at the way the. Look at the way the paint's running. I was like, mm, well, you're just a, <laughs> aren't you? Maybe you meant for it to run upwards. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're defying gravity. I don't know. Next time, maybe be a little bit less of a slob in the way you paint. <laughs> but that's a perfect Didn't she example. Take it back to. <laughs> Isn't, yeah. I've seen yeah, she some, took like, it back. She said if I couldn't uh, hang it the right way, she'd take it. <laughs> See, I've seen some performance pieces where they literally change the orientation of the piece throughout the performance as part of the performance. That's oh, how yeah. I feel like my life is. It's just a performance piece where the... <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we lit- yeah, Yeah, all the... You know, it's a lot of hard work to make you feel that way, and I'm glad that it is coming across so well. Listen, if I have to change my inky thing one more time. (laughs) It sounds so bad. (laughs) I'm going to lose it. (laughs) Sorry, that's that's an after show story. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no, no. It got to the point where I was getting files with... The names were like blue. Seriously, <laughs> Re- oh. revamp, revamp one dot freaking revamp five. That yeah, was, that was that was that's what happens when Justin and I don't sleep a lot. Um, I think. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I this conversation literally. I could I could have this conversation for hours. Um, because like this is something I love talking about this particular piece, and I know, I know you guys do as well, because I, I, we, we still talk about it even when we're not on air. Um, but I also know that we have a promised event to get to. So, what on the show notes have we not talked about? That we were going to. Dynamics. Mm. This is going to go mm. forever. This is going to go forever. Well, okay. Can we do a roundtable like version of this where we each get a say in it, or like, or you want to just weigh in on what you think is the best and why? I don't know if that's too black and white. That- I don't know if I have an opinion on which is the best. I'm trying to think of a, an example different. of a static. A static narrative? A one-off yeah. novel. Yeah, but even then, that's dynamic. I don't know. I read into, I read into things way too much. Like Sure, but here's the thing. Okay, when, when you're talking about a context of created media, right... Mm-hmm. It can either be static in a, I have written this novel, that is the end, right? <laughs> like, that's as much as you get, that's the end. 
now I will go off and do something else. Versus um, a, you know, a game like Destiny has expansions that are coming out. And this isn't really lore-based, but we see that the creators of the game we respond to community feedback with regard to things like um, gameplay, right? PvP. What are people doing? What do people like or don't like? What's overpowered? What's underpowered? What are people having fun with? What do they hate? What's being used? What isn't being used? And they adjust the game accordingly, or they try to, right? That's the ideal situation. I'm not going to have a debate about whether they were good at it or not, but that is a much more dynamic situation and you can have a world where that happens where you release some content and you get feedback from your audience what are they interested in what do they like what do they don't like mm-hmm. oh they like these mysteries they don't like the you know fantasy stories or they like this character i'm going to write more about that character or they interpreted it this way so maybe i'll go in this direction or that direction based on what the feedback was that i got because i would i had two different options and i want to see what what the community thinks and what their opinions are right because they might think one thing and hate it and like oh well that's going to make them mad i should pick the other direction because i want them to enjoy this content or maybe you just want to piss everybody off. I don't know. It's on you. <laughs> don't give away my secrets. <laughs> what do you think I like it. <laughs> I man, I, well, and I guess I guess my interpretation of the idea of dynamic versus static is more of from the narr- narration perspective, not necessarily like the actual content being static, though that is a extremely valid point um i'm i was thinking like um so so for example destiny destiny is in my opinion a dynamic storytelling because the story is told from in world like we don't have a disembodied narrator really that is telling us these things so that's still up in the air on some of the content because we don't really know uh, the identity of some of the locations of the Grimoire cards or, you know, whatever, however long you want to debate about that. Um, so like, there's not, there's not a, a cosmic entity, if you will, that breaks the fourth wall and explains what's going on. Right. Whereas in, um, in let's say like comic books, you have the, the narration boxes and this is ignoring Deadpool because he breaks all the rules. But like, you know, in most comic books, they they don't interact with the narrator. Like the narrator is this disembodied figure that is explaining the world and, you know, kind of explaining events that are happening to us as readers with the intent that we are readers and we are not part of the world. So like as far as that, that's what I was curious about as far as like dynamic versus versus static, I guess, is the source of information is there a difference in that? Like, in your opinion, which one is a better? I still have I still have no opinion on that. I think they're just different. And I think that done well, they're both wonderful storytelling devices. Fair, fair. Um, 
I, I don't view them any differently than I would, um, you know, reading a novel in first person versus reading a novel in third person. They're just different and they work for some stories and they don't work for other stories. I always feel I was, like it's more engaging as far as depending on the medium. It's more engaging in a video game to have a dynamic world that you get to engage with. The the cutscenes being more static, being taken away from perspective. Also, living that there, Skyrim, for example, or any of the Elder Scrolls, living that story. I definitely agree, but I mean, that should come as no surprise to anyone who's talked to me for more than five minutes about video games. But I also, I as far as like a comic book standpoint, I definitely agree with having that outside perspective, that static, that present the information that you can, you can view it. And there's always still going to be a sense, there's going to be a bit of that dynamic aspect in it, because you're still only following those characters you're not getting the whole context but can you really ever get the whole context well there's something to be said for for a static storyline like there's something really cool about being able to to play a video game and then talk to your friends about like what you thought the minute that you experienced the cutscene where where you know cortana saves chief at the end of halo 3 like like that's that's a static set story that you're never going to experience any other way than than the way that they meant for you to experience it but it's it's almost like watching you know an episodic show or something and then talking about the day after you're like oh did you see what happened on this like did you get to the last level did you you know did you see Cortana save chief or your your whatever game you're playing there's something to be said for that. I mean, it's it's very much less diamond dynamic, but there's you know, if this if the story's powerful enough, it's it's worthwhile as well. Well, I think that it also comes back. I mean, I know I keep getting really meta with like what the author is <laughs> intending or whatever, but I feel like that's really important because if you all have a novel or a TV show or a movie um or a video game um that is like you start the game and you play through it and then you stop right then it's mm-hmm. the end that is a different you you write that story in a different way than you would write the same events if you were trying to make a more interactive game like Skyrim or kind of a little bit how destiny is destiny is in such a weird place um for so many reasons. Um, but, you know, they, Destiny is a game that is supposed to be designed to have you coming back all the time. So they need to make the, the content interesting to engage with over and over and over again in different ways and in different spaces to have you discover new things or to be able to play in different ways um, versus and of course I can't think of any games off the top of my head because I don't play that many video games, but like a, a game that's more of a movie style where you like would sit down and you play and you play and you play and you play and then that's the end. Yeah, God you can write that. Right. You can write that story in a, in a, in a 
less complex way, not to say it's a simpler storyline, but it doesn't have to be as convoluted your sources of information because they are telling a movie story or writing a novel story. They just turned it into a video game. Yeah, I like that. Mm. I like that. And I think that kind of also highlights to me, at least, you know, um, maybe part of the complexity of Destiny because it, I don't know, like to me and this, again, I'm going to preface this. This is not a dig at anyone at, at Bungie, but to me, Destiny fits more securely in the box of a static story than it does a dynamic, but it feels like they're trying to present it as a dynamic. Um, yeah. And I, and that's not, and that's not, it's not, that's not a negative thing, but I mean, for someone like myself who comes from like my favorite games are Skyrim, like the Elder Scrolls series, period. That's, that's kind of like the top tier of my games. Those are like truly dynamic because you can play those entire games. I know because I have for thousands of hours and not finish the main, the, the quote main story. Um, and you know, you do that in the Fallout series, but Destiny, like, I don't know. It's a weird hybrid. Of the, pro- it. the reason why Destiny feels so weird is because we have so many perspectives. It's not one perspective that you're getting at all. Well, so so well that that. But I mean, also kind of going back to excuse me. I I mean I mean also going back to kind of what uh, what Justin was saying, you know, about the the prescribed cutscenes, like. In in the Elder Scrolls series or in Fallout series or any of the the Bethesda series that are the RPG elements, actually any RPG kind of, well, no, I take that back. Let's just stick with the Elder Scrolls. In the Elder Scrolls series, there's no, like, I was like, actually, RPG is way too broad of a genre and it's just not good. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just correcting myself. It's cool. I do it all the time. You just go check out the book club chat. You'll see. Um, But like, you know, in Elder Scrolls, there's not you you don't have prescribed cutscenes. There are cutscenes, but they're not like prescribed. And and Green, you you spoke to this as well. Like the perspective of those cutscenes is drastically different, drastically different. Like it is first person. You interact while you're in the cutscenes, like with Skyrim, as you're being taken to your execution. You can move around and you can see what's going on. Um, whereas in Destiny, you know, let's talk about the 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 rise of iron cutscene where your character walks into the room it's all third person like you see your it's character like it's it, yeah it's it's this dis, it's it's this detached presentation of the events whereas in in skyrim it's a truly you you are living that moment um and other and the other thing is like other than that one cutscene really honestly there is no other like there's no guarantee that your experience of the game is going to be the same as mine because obviously it's a it's a single player RPG so there's there's just a boatload of options that you can you you can choose to change everything about it and that's the beauty of what I like about Skyrim a lot of people can't stand it and that's fine but the weird that and that's kind of what kind of like confu- <laughs> it kind of confuses my brain about Destiny is because it's like on the surface it kind of feels like that's what they're going for. But then when you kind of get into it, it's more along the lines of Halo and most first person shooters. And again, it, nothing wrong with that, but it's just like this weird, weird hybrid. Coming from someone who has not played very many video games at all, it feels to me like they wanted 
to give the player control of the actual game part, but they still wanted a really tight control over the story. Yeah. Because yeah. there are a lot of video games, and I'm, I, I think Skyrim is one, although I've not actually played, so please correct me if I'm wrong, um, wherein like the things that you do affect the, yes. the world yes. that you're on, the way people's perspectives on you. Curse right. your side quests so, that I can't complete because of the main story quest. <laughs> so like, that is the the creators kind of hand in control of the story over to to the players where you as the individual as the player get to choose what whether you're a good guy or a bad guy at the very simplistic level right you get to choose how people view you by the actions that you take um they don't let you do that in destiny they still have control over how the other characters how the npcs interact with you because while i can go into a raid as as a hunter or a titan or a warlock if i can go in with a sniper rifle i can do or i can go in with a shotgun you know i i can i can be offensive or i can be defensive at the end of the day if i if i succeed all the same characters have died right all the same events have occurred Mm-hmm. no matter who is playing it. Whereas if it was more player controlled, maybe I wouldn't kill this character. Maybe I would capture them instead, bring them back to the tower, you know, and, you know torture them or something, <laughs> you know, like we could capture a wizard and get the wizard! information that, <laughs> um, you know, that the first crow to fire team got. Maybe we could get more information then. Yeah, but that wizard can't dead. do that. <laughs> the wizards <laughs> that was scattered. The, they scattered the ash. <laughs> the single ash, just one, just one ash. Yeah, they scattered the ash. They had sparrows in fury, <laughs> and they left. And they left. <laughs> we don't know where the other ashes went, but we yeah, know we don't they, know. We, we know that they scattered the one. The rest oh, they keep in a jar on the yeah. mantle All I know is, next to Grandma. Yeah. Oh, Ariana got a message that said, "Get your ash to Mary Ambrium," and then she misunderstood. So, <laughs> too late to ruin the show. Nope, nope. That that. Okay, good, good, good. I'll just I'll just cut it and move to the the beginning of the show. Oh, right. Isn't isn't that how go. that works? That's oh, how we man. do it. Um, so I, I think that's everything on the show notes. Like I said Mm -hmm. earlier, I would gladly sit here and talk and joke with everyone for hours about this. I'm pretty sure everyone here would feel the same. Um, but I do know there is a much awaited event that is going to happen in the after show. So if you are listening to this episode, I will see what I can do about recording that and maybe putting it on the YouTube. I don't know how. I don't. We'll Mine's we'll discuss. Clean. I know yours is clean. I don't. I don't trust the other one. Um. No, it's not. <laughs> but, but, but I love the honesty. <laughs> but I think the worst word I say is the S word. Okay, the snake. 
No. Oh, oh. I like where your I like where your head's at. <laughs> the nope rope. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So, so really quick. Let's let's run through uh, shout outs and final thoughts. If you guys are okay with that. Mm-hmm. All right. Sure. Purple, please lead the charge for us. <laughs> um, I'm Purple Chimera. You can find me on Twitter at Purple Chimera. You can find me at ishtar-collective.net. Um, special announcement from Ishtar, if you didn't catch it. Um, I have a new archivist friend, Aaron, um, who's helping me write summaries. Um, we're trying to get su- summaries updated for from destiny to stuff i know that we're super behind but real life yeah, kicks my butt okay. a lot yeah, gathering all the information um, that you guys have. you're you're further ahead than me in getting all that information put together so you're <laughs> right. winning in my book thanks so Hashtag if you see a winning. summary on there that has not been updated please let us know but also please be patient mm-hmm. um and we are still trying to get all of our transcripts up because there are all the transcripts now forever so if you want to help please come help we love all you. the transcripts uh, all the transcripts all and, the, and uh, the transcripts you guys are still doing through the commons correct is that yes okay um mm-hmm. yeah if you go to commons.ishar-collective.net you can find that's our forum and um all the instructions are up there if you want to help us out it tells you how to record them and how to transcribe them and and stuff and um yeah we would really appreciate it thanks definitely and i think everyone here would also really appreciate it because that helps makes our lives so much easier yeah. it it yeah. makes me look talented purple <laughs> is what happens <laughs> well, yeah, over- let's not oversell the it there up, the, yeah. the it makes me look it makes me look passable sorry <laughs> the faster we get the transcripts up, the faster we can get summaries up because there's obviously a lot of information that's now in game that we can't pull from the API. So mm-hmm. that makes my life more complicated, which is why the summaries are behind mm-hmm. because it was a like, butthole move haven't. by Bungie. <laughs> Thanks, Bungie. <laughs> Bungie. Is this the new this is the new meme for what Yeah. <laughs> um Beard, what about you? Uh, don't have too many shoutouts, but Purple, uh, you know, thanks for being here for the first time <laughs> after how many different <laughs> podcast attempts. Uh, but, but I hung out with you in real life, which mm-hmm. is so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but here's the problem. I got to hang out with two of the other three people that are here within real life. And the only other one I I knew existed, but I knew mm-hmm. he also had other stuff mm-hmm. that was going on. Bring it. So... He really, look, hey, look. I gave you another opportunity to meet up with me in your own state. I can't help. On it. I can't help. That Twelve hours I drove. Twelve hours. Den. Oh she took it to the grizzly den, and you didn't. Twelve know. hours I drove. <laughs> I feel like again information information that was not included in the original story. <laughs> It was it was still going to take me another like four to six hours in order for me to catch up in that regard. Just to be fair, so thank thanks for not sharing that piece of information. <laughs> oh, 
Um, and the tables turn again. Yes, this will continue to happen between Purple and I because that will be our our testament. And the, you can you can just write that on the epitaph. They flip flopped on information way too often. Can we can we get a hashtag hibernate not hate going? Oh my! No. Okay. okay. I really I really feel like my shout outs has absolutely got derailed. Um, no, no. You're, you're still I mean, on. Chimeras don't hibernate. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna say. I guess. I guess that's what makes chimeras better than bears. Meanwhile, at least I mean, uh, it, it it's may, on the list. I guess. I guess. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll just be over here enjoying a, a bear nap, which means don't poke me, or you may get your your face mauled. Um, uh-huh, sounds <laughs> Something, something like that. I don't, I don't know if you want to hear that though. IRL. Uh, other flies. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Guardian Con coming up here on the July and the sometime. Uh, keep your eyes open for that. Uh, a lot of changes that are kind of happening with it, uh, which we will not discuss ever. Uh, but <laughs> overall, I am anxious to kind of see most of you guys that are out there. If you are able to attend, as I still think that is the best reason to go out there is to just. Finally, hang out as like a an overall meeting spot. Uh, yeah. Regardless, Blue. huh? Blue. I was gonna what? say, uh, our 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 beard and I still sharing a room. Like, is that happening? <laughs> Aren't you? I, I thought we were. I'm I didn't hear this mystic. was. A, I yeah. didn't hear this was a thing. Yeah. No, it is. Oh. <laughs> we'll talk this about is... it later. <laughs> so. And Justin derails. Oh, and Purple goes away. Purple has to go take care of kiddos. Purple now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, okay, my my shout-outs are officially derailed. I forgot where else I was going. (laughs) Um, Thanks, thanks, Justin. Carry on, next. (laughs) Green. (laughs) Do you blame me? My shout-out. I'll find a way to blame you in some way, buddy. My shout out goes to actually Justin this week. Oh, for actually getting me excited about writing something I never ever thought I would want to write ever. I don't listen to rap. I think Mm -hmm. the closest, like the only rap I've ever listened to is Eminem, and that was back at like junior high. So, me writing rap, they're delicious. My coworker who sits directly across from me in the cubicle would hurt you. Um, that's all he listens to, and I've been proxy in proxy listening to him as well because okay. he's got headphones that he he puts on, but he plays like regular size speakers. So Are I you get, beginning to feel like a rap god? I'm I feel like the real slim shady at some time at points, depending on what album he's on at the time. Okay. <laughs> I am neither slim nor shady, so that doesn't work out. But uh, I know purple took off here, but I'm just going to reiterate Blue Beard's thing of saying, love having her on. I love loved getting to know her at Guardian Con. If you guys can't get to Guardian Con, I highly suggest you do try to get there if you can financially swing it. And time, time and finances are always a factor with that but if you can get there it's awesome it's always and 
it's awesome partially because of the convention itself, but it's more awesome because it's a get together with the community. And that is my, that is my favorite part of the whole thing is getting to know you guys, getting to meet Justin and finally giving him the hug that he deserves, which may turn into a punch after this rap battle. You never know how bad, depending on how, how mean he is to me and his rap. Because I'm not mean. No punches. <laughs> Maybe a pinch. Girls pinch, right? That's something we do. That's, anyway. So wow. See if you can get there, or at least if you can't get there, shoot us a message, say hi to us on Twitter, Discord, wherever. If you it's I always like talking to people in the community. I know yeah. Blue and Justin do too. Justin is actually quite hilarious in his gifts. If you ever get to talk to Justin, just talk to him in gifts. Yeah. Some some say it's a gif. It's, it it's it's either a gif or a curse. It is quite the gif. <laughs> I almost didn't know that was the bear growl that came second until about halfway through because it was almost the same sound as beard. Now beard. she wonders where I got the nickname from. Beard. She doesn't beard. have to guess anymore. You should you should just hang around because you feature a little bit. Look, oh look, 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 the puns are on the way. Shout outs, Justin. <laughs> Green, are you oh, done? Yeah. <laughs> Green, are you done? <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, Justin, you've been here for 15 okay. minutes. What's your shout outs? <laughs> this is what I, this is what I came here for. Um, no, uh, I just wanted to be, give a big shout out to Purple. Thanks for showing up, even though I couldn't make it to the main show. Um, you know, it's always a pleasure having heard of a podcast on which she was on. That's awesome. Um, and also giving shout outs on said podcast. Um, and just a big shout out to green eyed music lover. And I just wanted to say in my rap, you know, I know traditionally in a rap battle, the two people engaged are supposed to like, um, Take shots at each yeah, yeah, take shots at each other. But I couldn't bring myself to do that because you might be the sweetest person I've ever met. So or so I I won't I won't tell I won't tell Kashima. Well, 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 it's it's okay. It's okay. But but what I mean is I just had a real hard time taking shots at green. So instead I took shots at the entitled Internet crybabies that the I take offense to this statement. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I knew you would. I mentioned you by name. No, no, uh, but yeah, yeah. But basically, most of my most of my vitriol in my in my rap is 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 thrown at just like basic like social media tough guys and and uh and then there are some some uh you know some some good natured ribbing aimed at our fellow lord lore podcasts out there mm-hmm. it's it's pretty cool but but basically basically there's no hate there's no hate only celebrate <laughs> so, so next Hashtag. topic <laughs> pew pew choo choo pew pew uh, choo choo um 
Next, next topic is an update on Warlock. So definitely get any, any email, emails or questions or anything like that over on Twitter with hashtag AskFFC or our email. Um, and then also emails. I didn't have any that were like specific to this particular thing, but I did get them. So Mellow, I loved your theories on the ghost. I'm going to try to get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, Matt. Apparently, Facebook ate your email, so I'm actually going to get that over to Green. Nom, 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 yeah, I don't know where it went, um, but I did get a archive copy of it sent to our email. So good job, Facebook. I don't really know what happened there, um, but I did. I'm going to get that over to Green, and then we'll get we'll get in touch with you as soon as we can about the answer to that question that you gave us. And then Susu Day. Uh, first off, thank you for sending in a pronunciation guide to your name. Because you're right, I would have butchered that if I did not get that. Um, Wait, say that again? Susude? Susude. Cool. Yeah, I like anyways, I, I, yeah, he, he specifically called out the pronunciation of his name, and I appreciate it immensely. But I'm going to get your concept of the dynamic skybox in games over to the rest of the team here. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to get that to them just yet. I'm going to get that over to them, and then I will get our responses back to you as soon as I possibly can also. Um, but again, love the emails. Absolutely love the questions and the thoughts. Uh, keep them coming. And with that being said, let's get the outro out of the way so that we can get to what I think everyone is actually here for. And that is the rap battle between Green and Justin. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can be found with our episode archives over on the new and improved www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Purple, for joining in on the conversation. I'll be sure to get your contact information up in our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, please be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. 